is there magic in yoga? And if so, how is it conceptualized? Stay tuned if you want to find out. Hello everyone, I'm Angela and welcome back to my channel. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my patrons Andrew and Rune. Thank you so much for pledging to my Patreon and for the extremely interesting debates and discussions we are having in our community chat. The subject of yoga has been researched profusely and I always, always encourage you to do your own research. All the information conveyed in my videos is drawn from academic research, which is often referenced on the screen and always mentioned in the info box. That being said, I cannot review every study or publication ever produced on the topics I address. Thus, bear in mind that my videos are backed by academic research, but should be seen as a starting point to dive deeper into it yourself. Premises are out of the way. Now let's move on to it, shall we? The two main sources for this video's content are A History of Modern Yoga, Patanjali and Western Esotericism by Elizabeth Michaelis and the brilliant contributions within the volume Yoga Powers, Extraordinary Capacities Attained Through Meditation and Concentration edited by Johannes Brockhorst. Yoga is one of the six orthodox schools in the Hindu philosophy more often referred to as Hinduism. The original Sanskrit name for these schools of thought is Darshana, which means view opinion. And they are deemed orthodox because they recognize the spiritual authority of the Veda. And yes, I'm not using the English S to make a plural when it comes to Sanskrit terms. Yoga comes from the Sanskrit root yuk and translates as yoking, joining, attaching, harnessing. Yoga, which was likely a set of heterogeneous practices, became a tradition or a system thanks to the systematization operated by Patanjali, philosopher and author of the Yoga Sutra, where it's stated at the very beginning of the Yoga Sutra, that yoga is the ceasing of mental processes, which in Sanskrit is yoga shchitta vritti nirvach. I won't go much further into the yogic tradition per se, as you would deserve a dozen of videos to be tackled properly. And I will now focus specifically on the element of magic in yoga. What I find really interesting of the relation between yoga and magic is that um, sometimes you have traditions where you have to practice techniques in order to gain certain powers. So it's like the powers, the extraordinary abilities that you can develop are your aim or your purpose. Whereas in yoga it's quite different as basically the powers that you are going to develop during your spiritual path are basically some things quite unavoidable in your path, in your journey towards divinity. In Sanskrit there are a number of different words which are used 
to describe the powers that you will obtain by following the yogic system. In the Yoga Sutra we have, for example, Jnana, which is knowledge or extraordinary knowledge, Aishvarya, which is mastery, Siddhi, which is accomplishment, attainment, Vibhuti, which might be omnipresence. And yet we may say that the most popular word which is used to describe the extraordinary abilities uh, which are attained through yoga is Siddhi. So this is the, the term that we are going to uh, use from this moment onwards. You may or may not know that there is a difference between the yogin, which is the practitioner of yoga, and the siddha, which is the perfected master. And as you may notice, the term siddha has the same root as siddhi, which is the, the powers, basically, that you will attain on your yogic path. These superhuman powers, uh, which would be the siddhi, are not considered by them disruptions in the laws of nature, but actually show mastery of nature, being an essential part of how nature works. The main ways to obtain the Siddhi are the yogic concentration, also called Samadhi, which would deserve <laughs> a chapter on its own, the use of herbs, the use of mantra, ascetic practices such as the tapas, and also inborn abilities that the yogin was born with. Something important about the siddhi, or siddhis, if we want to use the English plural on the Sanskrit term, is that they cannot be used to change the fundamental order of the world. Otherwise, they would work against a previously perfected yogi's will. And this is because every perfected yogin is an hijvara, which is a lord, who has merged with the essence of nature, also called in Sanskrit Prakriti, and has therefore become omnipotent and omniscient. So it's clear that the yogin able to develop the Siddhi is elevated to the level of God. These powers, it's important also to say, that can be developed unintentionally in the yoga or intentionally, which happens in the Tantra, for example. Magical powers in yoga can therefore be seen as basically a state that you have to go through on your path towards perfection, the perfected state of the yogin, the Siddha. These powers will basically tell the yogin that he's on the right path because he has, he or she has achieved divinity, but at the same time on the final stage towards the liberation, the yogin has to give up these superhuman powers. Because at that point of the final liberation, the yogin has to give up the world of nature, the prakriti, completely and exit the cycles of reincarnation. So we may perhaps in a simplistic way see the path of the yogin as starting from the point of view of an individual living in nature, then this person conquers nature and is able to be so embedded within it that it's able to work through the laws of nature, not have power over nature, but being so totally ingrained within it that you are able to move the fabric 
of reality. This is the stage where the yogin acquires the superhuman powers, the city, but then moving forward on his path, he will reach the final liberation where even these powers have to be given up because at that point, the yogin will not be at one with nature anymore, but will sort of exit and become one with the spirit, with the purusha, as it is called in Sanskrit, the spiritual realm. As Gordon White points out, the yogin is able to move between, inhabit and even create multiple bodies. As with his power of expansion, this logical extension of the yogin perception also becomes a means by which the human yogin is empowered to embody the universe as the one in the many. And the one in the many is in fact the depiction of what nature is about and how nature unfolds. So as long as the yogin is within nature and is able to conquer nature, he will develop, he or she will develop these superhuman powers. Only at the final stage, when the yogin will exit the realm of nature to fully embrace the realm of purusha, of the spirit, only then he will abandon these divine powers. He or she will also abandon the divine abilities which were up to that point necessary in the yogin's journey, as the yogin needed to become a god before abandoning the realm where the divine power can manifest, because there is a manifested form. Therefore, abandoning every manifested form, every manifestation, even magical powers, will not be needed anymore, as magic is a will that is turned into manifestation. So it needs the will and it needs the manifestation. When the yogin exits the realms of manifestation, then magic cannot happen anymore. And yet it was necessary to reach that point. Yoga has had a significant impact on Western esotericism. So for instance, we have in Aleister Crowley's works, such as magic, and eight lectures on yoga, some techniques and practices of the yogic tradition are described and implemented in his magical system. Let me know if you'd be interested in a specific video on Aleister Crowley and yoga or even just Aleister Crowley, who was a very, very interesting character in history of Western hystericism. Hope you enjoyed this overview of magic in yoga and how magic powers are conceptualized in the yogic system. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below. If you like this video, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, activate the notification bell and stay tuned for all the academic fun. Bye for now! Champion of